From the heart of the Carolinas, a voice in the wilderness, a thought-provoking broadcast in a world of ignorant nonsense. But some people without brains do an awful lot of talking, don't they? Yes, I guess you're right. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program. And good morning. Welcome to the broadcast. Good to be with you for the start of another week. How do you feel today after that game last night? Now, a lot of people out there are probably feeling hangovers for more than one reason. I'm not trying to throw shade at anybody. I just have to tell you, as a personal matter for me, one of my pet peeves is arrogance. Arrogance. I abhor it. It's a turnoff to me. I don't mind confidence. Confidence is great. But arrogance, and what I've seen the past few days, the attitude, I mean, it's, it's been crazy in some of the circles I've been around in the past few days. It's crazy. And there was the assumption, I'm just going to put it out there, that the Eagles were going to walk away with this thing. That was the assumption. And I was a little worried at times. I'll tell you what, the back and forth, I was like, it was nerve-wracking to watch. I can't believe that I watched as much of the game as I did. <laughs> I am not even a big sports fan, much less football fan. But I watched a good part of last night's game. It was hard not to it was it was hard not to watch the game. Which is one of the reasons I, I have to tell you, for one. I tend to be very supportive of the underdog. For another, Patrick Mahomes, this guy, is just classy all the way around. Listening to him, the humility that's there, the seeing him with his wife and his children, it's just a wonderful American story all the way around. Now, some of you may be gagging right now because, especially if you are like one person I know who lost $700 on this game last night, <laughs> it's not a good day. <laughs> not a good day at all. And I get it. I'm not here to gloat. I kind of quietly support. I don't know. It's amazing how many people I ran into yesterday. They were all, all Eagles fans. And they're like, oh, who are you supporting? It's like, okay, i got to get moving here. <laughs> it was kind of funny. Wall Street Journal today. Patrick Mahomes makes his case as the new Tom Brady. Do you agree? Second Super Bowl win in four years. Mahomes submitted the Kansas City Chiefs as the singularly dominant force in the NFL a role that had been vacated by the New England Patriots and Brady. Do you agree with this assessment? I mean, it's hard to disagree. Mahomes saying during the celebration, despite the fact that he hurt his ankle yesterday, nothing was going to keep me off that football field. Nothing. Hobbling around on a hurt ankle. And this is part, I was around a group of people last night, and it was so funny to watch this game, especially. I could tell who the Eagles fans were. I could tell. They were just dead silent, especially that last few minutes. Dead silence. And the crazy thing was, a, a friend of mine was telling me, you're going to be loud. You're going to It's like, come on. It's not me. I was loud. People were looking at me like, have you lost your mind? <laughs> it was great. And again, I don't normally get into this. But last night, oh my goodness. It was a great performance. And to see the defense step up at the end of this game, shut down the Eagles, and see this come from behind victory it was inspiring it really was whatever you think about 
your favorite team? It was a great game to watch. It really was. I want to get your thoughts. I want to get your perspective on the game, the commercials, all of it, anything that you might want to comment on. I'll tell you one thing that I did not see the first part of the game. I was kind of in and out. But I'll tell you what I saw on social media. A lot of references to the national anthem last night. And I thought, you know, this shows how old I am because I don't follow a lot of popular music today. I really don't. But I had to listen for myself. And what I heard, I thought, was absolutely powerful. For those of you who did not have the privilege of hearing the national anthem last night, I want to share that with you now. This is Chris Stapleton, and not only did I enjoy the music, I also enjoyed the introduction, which you're also going to hear Here is the National Anthem as delivered yesterday evening. To honor America with the performance of the National Anthem, eight-time Grammy Award winner, Chris Stapleton. And bright stars through the perilous fight. Chris Stapleton, last night's Super Bowl. What a performance. We'll talk about this and much more as we continue our Monday broadcast. Stay with us. Back of the Vince Coakley radio program and... Before the break, you heard the national anthem from Chris Stapleton. This was followed by an all-female flyover. Pretty impressive show. Did you notice, if you were watching yesterday evening as well, a lot of people took note of Nick Sirianni, the Eagles coach, his first Super Bowl as head coach. Breitbart reporting how the moment really got to him. During the singing of the National Anthem, Sirianni shed tears on the sideline. You've probably seen this picture circulating. I think that is so cool. It's a moment that captivated and inspired millions online and on television. 
Sirianni known as one of the more emotional coaches in the league. I just thought it was a cool moment. Again, there's nothing wrong with a man shedding a tear. Nothing wrong with that at all. If you don't want to, don't. (laughs) We also have some comments about the game, other aspects of it, the commercials. (laughs) Jeff Katz, don't forget, even if KC, this was before the game, even if KC is ahead at the end of the game, points for Philly will be counted for weeks afterward. (laughs) A little dig at the electoral process in Pennsylvania. And this from Jason Matera. These He Gets Us ads are such watered-down mush that even Joel Osteen is offended. (laughs) It's kind of interesting because we have a texter who commented on this as well. Where is that text? Or someone who is not at all thrilled with these commercials that have been running. There it is. The He Gets Us campaign preaches a false gospel. Please let everyone know not to fall for it. I'd like to find out more information as to what is behind it and what their message is. Be kind of interesting. Over on the text line, let's begin here. Lots of passion in what people are communicating. I like the crotch grabbing by Rihanna, the pregnant Rihanna, by the way. That was an interesting revelation, wasn't it? Wow, Vince, you got in touch with your inner sports fan. Great. So there is hope for you after all. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. We shall see. One person saying that is an amazing rendition of our national anthem. Another person, though, saying, that sucked. Our national anthem is not to be interpretive. Is there an official way to do the national anthem? See, people like you sadden me. You know, there's got to be a way to deliver a song like that in... See, that's not even normally my style of music. But as a music lover in general... You better believe I appreciate every bit of that song and the way he performed that. Chris out of Shelby. I must say, I've never thought anybody could outdo Whitney Houston. Chris Stapleton rocked the house. Yes. Vince Mahomes seems like a down-to-earth guy, but his annoying wife, Brittany, and the immature brother, Jackson, make me dislike the Chiefs. Really? See, like him, come on, forget his family. I I pulled for I pulled for them simply because I hate Philadelphia. Only team I root for against them is the Packers. Okay. I agree with you about it being hard not to watch last night's game. Can't say the same about the halftime show. We watched a Gutfeld show rerun during halftime. Why is it the NFL, along with similar organizations, does everything it can to tick off its fan base and malign their values rather than just stay in their lane and focus on the quality of the product they put on the field. Yeah. Another person make re- making reference to Nick Sirianni about him getting teary-eyed and emotional. Even though I was rooting against his team, that won the night. Two bad people may be using that for their social media memes, though. Yeah. Commercials. Someone enjoyed the premature electrification commercial. I did not see that one. I have to check this one out. Welcome to the fun world of being an NFL fan. Last night was an example of what is great about America. The NFL just needs to realize what a powerful unifier platform they have and leave the social justice crap on the sidelines. The NFL is a great distraction from our daily lives and politics. I'm with you. Vince, you could not be more right. As I like to say, there's a big difference between cocky and confidence. Also, what brought a tear to my eyes, seeing the Eagles coach tearing up during the national anthem gives me hope. There's still patriots in my beautiful country. That is from Dave. Good morning, Vince. Appreciate you. Super Bowl performances were better than last year. Loved Stapleton, also loved Babyface. Even the commercials better. 
even some positive advertising, unity and love. Guess it's because the Biden administration wasn't involved. Yeah, did you see they rejected an interview? I mean, who wants to see an interview with Joe Biden before the Super Bowl? I mean, I'm just saying. Glad for the all-female flight team last night. <laughs> oh, gosh. This texture from the upstate says there were no curbs for them to hit up there. You should be ashamed of yourself. Vince wanted to thank you so much for playing the national anthem for the Super Bowl. Brought tears to my eyes, as well as so many people in my family who've served in the military. Thanks for showing the respect it deserved. Absolutely. Don't worry, folks. We will get to the other thing everybody's talking about. These incursions into our airspace. This texture, what's your opinion on these UFOs? Are we going to be invaded? What's going on? <laughs> yeah. We don't need crotch grabbing. Where's the human divinity to just be talented for God's sake? Yeah. The National Anthem is a song of victory. It is not a lullaby. Oh, is that the way it sounded to you? Okay. You remember Roseanne Barr and her rendition? Oh, my goodness. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. And that brings back quite a few memories for, for me because that was one of the times I had the opportunity to see my cousin, dearly departed cousin, Tony Gwynn. He had been on a road trip where I got to see him in Cincinnati uh, this was right after that incident. I think that was in San Diego. And he uh, did an interview with Tony where he just, he said he just laughed his rear end off. Just went down the tunnel and laughed. Because he was glad he was on, wasn't on the field. So glad. Just, uh, it was such a, such a moment. Vince, I despise both teams. Just hate KC less. Uh, I think that's a pretty good sampling. Oh, that's terrible. Some of you folks should be ashamed of yourselves for the text that you've sent in. Anyway, still to come on the broadcast, let's talk about all these objects that are appearing in the sky. It's coming up. Stay with us. the Vince Coakley radio program. If you'd like to join the conversation, call Vince on the GS Plumbing talk line at 800-928-1110. That's 800-928-1110. Or text the Common Sense Retirement Planning text line at 71307. Now back to Vince. <laughs> Over on the text line, Vince, we watched Puppy Bowl 19. Stop watching the NFL when Michael Vick was involved in the dogfighting. A lot of them are thugs. Alrighty. On these objects coming into our airspace, hey Vince, where's the U.S. Space Force in all of this? Fair question. Glad Casey won, but have not watched a game since they knelt. Won't watch again until all kneelers are no longer playing. The coaches who allowed it are no longer coaching. The owners who praised it no longer own a team. Only then will I ever watch again. Go Carolina Hurricanes. There were two questionable calls against the Philadelphia Eagles. The holding call and the catch by Smith was called back. What do you think? Oh, my goodness. You're asking a non-football fan that question. I do know the room I was in, it erupted with those calls. In fact, that's what everybody kept saying over and over. They cheated. They cheated. They cheated. It's like, oh, gosh. Vince, I wonder how much of this UFO madness is a diversion, a distraction to something bigger. What is our government really up to? What should we really be focused on? Also, why would creatures from outer space want to come to our messed up planet? It's filled with nuts. 
And I thought aliens were allergic to nuts. That's from Jeff. Oh, my goodness. Uh, um, referring to uh, Rihanna's boyfriend. They call him ASAP for a reason, apparently. Oh, boy. Just a sampling of some of the items over on the text line. What am I going to do with some of you folks? Well, here's a shocker. This is a story just in, as a matter of fact. E. That's really encouraging. Ah. There's a story in the Washington Examiner that I'll get to in a moment after I tell you about what's happened over the weekend. Because we have new stories of intrusions into our airspace by none other than CNN, referring to a deepening national security mystery threatening a political storm after U.S. fighter jets scrambled three days in a row to shoot down a trio of unidentified aerial objects high over North America. The flurry of attacks on the unknown crafts came a week after the highly public tracking and ultimate downing of a Chinese balloon suspected of carrying out surveillance. Now the thin details trickling out of the Pentagon and Capitol Hill are making an already highly unusual international episode even more bizarre and confusing. Not one. Not the White House, the Pentagon, or the government of Canada, whose airspace has also been infringed, seems able to say exactly what is going on with these latest downed crafts. This raises questions for top military brass and U.S. spy agencies, as well as for the potential safety of civilian aviation. And it creates an information vacuum Republicans are again using to question President Joe Biden's leadership, as they should do. The intrigue also unfolding against a tense global situation with already difficult relations with rising superpower China becoming more hostile and with U.S. leading the West in an effective proxy war against Russia and Ukraine. Democrat Senator John Tester of Montana saying on Face the Nation, what's gone on the last two weeks or so, ten days, has been nothing short of craziness. This was hours before an airborne object was shut down over Lake Huron. Tester saying the military needs to have a plan not only to determine what's out there, but to determine the dangers that go with it. Yeah. With the North American Aerospace Defense Command on high alert, U.S. fighters have now blasted three objects out of the sky since Friday following the shootdown of the Chinese balloon off South Carolina's coast. In the latest event, a high-altitude object shot down Sunday afternoon by an F-16 over Lake Huron between Michigan and Ontario. The Pentagon said the object was not assessed to be a military threat, but was a flight hazard. But it did connect the craft to a radar signal picked up earlier over Montana, the home to U.S. intercontinental missile silos and other sensitive sites. On Saturday, a U.S. F-22 warplane operating on the joint orders of the Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and Biden fired a missile that took down an object flying at 40,000 feet over central Yukon in the far north of Canada. Canadian Defense Minister described a cylindrical object smaller than the Chinese balloon. Friday, an F-22 shot down another unidentified craft over Alaskan airspace. U.S. pilots were able to get up around the object before it was shot down, reported it didn't appear to be carrying surveillance equipment. So what in the world is going on here? What are these things? Where are they from? And what's the purpose? Very important questions. So the events of the last few days provoke serious national security and political questions. Stretching far beyond the often narrow political battle in Washington. 
Lots of questions here. Are these latest incidents linked in any way to Beijing's espionage program? Described by the administration after the shooting down of the Chinese balloon and other reported crossings of other balloons over U.S. territory. In the indication of successive Chinese breaches of U.S. airspace? Would certainly mark a serious twist in U.S.-China relations already tested by a belligerent Beijing at what may this be the start of a 21st century Cold War. Boy, they're actually acknowledging we may be headed that way. If not related to China, is it another hostile group or power? Are they connected? Is NORAD now picking up more objects that are potentially hostile, given a state of heightened alert? If the objects are suspicious, are suspicious, is there a sudden spike in these flights, or did objects fly across the continent with impunity in the past? Finally, what's the political impact? What is the message that is being received here by whomever is putting these things in the air? Dennis raises a very good question. A fourth object now? Ever get the idea that now they're just screwing with us? Uh, yeah. Stay with us. Over on the text line, I think these UFOs are either Joe's way to bury his bad news or they're angels and demons fighting in the heavenlies. And God's made them visible of what is to come. This texture saying, I'm proud to say, I did not watch the Super Bowl. Alrighty. This person saying these objects are people's dream and thought bubbles. The government is destroying our dreams and thoughts. Wow. Vince, you may have noticed the military's description of the balloon is very vague and simply referred to it as the object in contrast to the description of the first balloon. The pilot of the jet shot it down, obviously got a good look at it. So why won't the military tell us? See, that's interesting. Here's the other question. Surely they've taken pictures, don't you think? Pictures and video? Before shooting it down? You darn well better believe it. Do you think the government will actually tell us what's going on? I wouldn't bet on it. Would not bet on it. Vince, a friend sent me a video he took in mid-November of an unknown object over Fort Mill, smaller than the first balloon, slowly moving at a high altitude. Hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is brutal from the upstate. When you watch CCP comrade Joe Biden and the Democrat clowns in Congress, it almost makes you wish January 6th was successful. All righty. This person saying, this is space junk. A quick Google search will show you they were expecting a Russian satellite as early as January this year. But it's a distraction from the Pfizer news that has been dropping. Okay. Chris out of Shelby. I'll be 62 Saturday, Lord willing. My days in the earth shorter. I just pray for what my grandchildren will face in this world when I'm gone. Boy, am I with you on that one. Is our government doing some spring cleaning? Is the U.S. government shooting down our own balloons to prevent China from shooting them down and examining our technologies? Vince, did you notice the Navy reached an agreement with the Philippines about a week ago to have access to eight military bases? We're upping our military presence in the Pacific to counter China. You can read about it in the Navy Times Online. Vince, don't you know if UFOs existed, Biden would have sent them a foreign aid package by now. <laughs> Gosh. Ah, uh, that is pretty creative, don't you think? But we also have this, not surprisingly, journalism from the Washington Examiner. And this is something I think we've mentioned on this program, this headline. Chinese spy balloon exposes U.S. vulnerability to EMP attacks. 
A 200-foot balloon from China entered United States airspace over Alaska, floated all the way across the nation and over the Carolina coastline before it was finally shot down by the U.S. military over the Atlantic. The United States says the vessel was a high-altitude surveillance balloon. China says it was a civilian weather balloon that went off track. Information about what this device was doing or what data it was collecting has not been forthcoming. Now, if the object was indeed a weather balloon, it's odd that its off-track path took it over specific sensitive military bases. Pure coincidence, I'm sure. If instead it was merely a surveillance balloon, that's relatively good news considering the alternatives. There is speculation this device was spying on critical targets or collecting information related to our national defense, but it could just as easily have contained a nuclear device that could have been used to deliver a high-altitude electromagnetic magnetic pulse, EMP, which would have destroyed our electric infrastructure, rendering most electronic devices unusable. In fact, the very high-altitude nuclear detonation site, codenamed Yucca, used a weather balloon, much like this one, to lift a nuclear weapon to 85,000 feet in the air. It was this test that revealed EMPs can be stronger than anticipated. You remember, we had Peter Pry on this program in a 2015 statement before a joint hearing before Congress. Dr. Peter Vincent Pry laid out his concerns about the nation's vulnerability to an EMP attack. A nuclear weapon detonated at an altitude of 200 kilometers over the geographic center of the United States would create an EMP field potentially damaging to electronics over all of the 48 contiguous states. Even a weather balloon could be used to loft a nuclear weapon 30 kilometers high to make an EMP attack. During the period of atmospheric nuclear testing in the 50s and 60s, more nuclear weapons were tested at altitude by balloon than by bombers or missiles. Were you aware of this? America remains susceptible to an EMP attack. Our infrastructure is not hardened to withstand that level of EMP, and an attack such as this would essentially destroy every unprotected electronic component and control panel. Does this send chills down your spine? It should. These folks better take this seriously. I know you do. Stay with us. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program. From the heart of the Carolinas, challenging the smug, misinformed arrogance of the left. The trouble with our liberal friends is not that they're ignorant. It's just that they know so much that isn't so. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program. Hour number two of our broadcast. If you'd like to join the conversation, by the way, the GS Plumbing Talk Line, 800-928-1110, 800-928-1110. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. A couple things I want to address. One of them, some breaking news. This breaking news out of Georgia. Parts of a Georgia grand jury's report on election interference by former President Donald Trump and allies will be released this week. This is a ruling that's come from Judge Robert McBurney, ruling the report's introduction and conclusion, along with another section, will be made public on Thursday. He ruled that the full findings will not be released. But again... This report on election interference is coming on Thursday. And you can bet mainstream news media and others, they are going to be beside themselves with excitement and anticipation. <laughs> it's never ends, does it? It's non-stop. But that's the way these folks operate. Cool story out of the upstate. A man from Greenville has donated his entire Powerball winnings to charity, according to South Carolina Education Lottery officials. The winner missed the jackpot, the big one, by one number on a quick pick ticket purchased 
at the GT Express Mart on Easley Bridge Road in Greenville. This was for a January 16th drawing. The winner paid an extra dollar for the power play that tripled his $50,000 win to $150,000. That is a huge win, don't you think? And we learned this winner donated the $150,000 to an upstate charity. Quoted as saying, I hit enough to make someone happy. It's pretty awesome, isn't it? By the way, that GT Express Mart in Greenville, they got a commission of $1,500 for selling that ticket. And according to Lottery Official, the odds of winning $50,000 by matching four white ball numbers and the red Powerball number playing Powerball, you ready for this? One in 913,129. You like your odds with that? Go for it. But as it's always communicated, somebody's going to win. May as well be you, right? Well, let's talk about the crazy world in which we live, folks. I saw this story and I thought, what? I think a lot of people are saying the same kind of thing about many of the news stories that are developing in our country now. Fox News reporting. DOJ and FBI targeting Catholics as violent extremists under scrutiny by state attorneys general. Are you ready for this? I, and I, I'm really glad. Folks, this is another example, parenthetically, of why states are so important. If everything is consolidated by the federal government, you have zero accountability. No power to push back. The GOP attorneys general say an FBI field office memo targeting Catholics is unconstitutional and deeply un-American. You think? Virginia's attorney general, Jason Mayaris and 19 GOP state attorneys general, they're demanding answers from the FBI and Justice Department and threatening legal action. After a leaked internal FBI memo revealed the agency had efforts underway to identify and treat Catholics as potential terrorists. <laughs> Mayaris and his colleagues, in a letter exclusively obtained by Fox News Digital, told the FBI and DOJ to desist from investigating and surveilling Americans who have done nothing more than exercise their natural and constitutional right to practice their religion in a matter of their choosing, and asked that they reveal to the American public the extent to which they've engaged in such activities. Because you know, they'll be very happy to tell us everything they've been doing, right? The AGs wrote... To FBI Director Christopher Wray and U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland, anti-Catholic bigotry appears to be festering in the FBI, and the Bureau is treating Catholics as potential terrorists because of their beliefs. We are the chief legal officers of our respective states, charged not only with enforcing the law, but also with securing the civil rights of our citizens. The FBI must immediately and unequivocally order agency personnel not to target Americans based on the religious beliefs and practices, adding they will take an appropriate means to protect the rights of our constituents as guaranteed by our Constitution. Good for them. Adding the targeting of Catholics for treatment as violent extremists because of the language in which they pray or because of the beliefs to which they subscribe is unacceptable, unconstitutional, and deeply un-American. Friday's letter comes after an internal memo produced by the FBI's Richmond, Virginia field office, January 23rd, 2023. It was leaked. The memo, according to the AGs, identifies radical traditionalist Catholics as potential racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists. Following the leak of the memo, the FBI told Fox News Digital headquarters quickly began taking action to remove the document from FBI systems and conduct a review of the basis for the document. 
While our standard practice is to not comment on specific intelligence products, this particular field office product disseminated only within the FBI regarding racially or ethnically motivated violent extremism does not meet the exacting standards of the FBI. Oh, my goodness. The FBI is committed to sound, analytic, tradecraft, and to investigating and preventing acts of violence and other crimes while upholding the constitutional rights of all Americans and will never conduct investigative activities or open investigation based solely on First Amendment protected activity. Do you, do you believe this? I don't. The Department of Justice declined to comment Friday and the FBI referred to their previous statement. The AGs argue this action was only in response to public outrage over the memo and allege had the memorandum not been revealed to the public, it might well still be an intelligence product available to the Bureau. I'm suspecting that's what you believe. They got caught red-handed, which is why, oh no, we would never. (laughs) Give me a break. Got to watch these folks. Got to watch these folks. It's insane. The same people refuse to denounce Antifa call anyone else an extremist. Remember, these are the same people who think the Constitution is extremist. Great observation for him from this texter. You're right on the money. Still to come... This story is going to drive you crazy about what's happening in bathrooms. Yeah, you'll love this. Stay with us. Back on the broadcast. Just a preview of what is ahead for tomorrow. On Friday, started sharing with you a really good piece by Tim Keller for The Atlantic. American Christianity is due for a revival. And interestingly enough, we have an event that is going on in my old area that's getting national attention. There is an extended... I'm just characterizing this as an extended church service that's been going on for quite some time in Wilmore, Kentucky, at Asbury, which is a seminary uh, just north of Lexington. I'm very curious to find out what's going on with this and may explore further, maybe even firsthand on a future visit. We're going to talk about this tomorrow, an awesome post from a good friend of mine on this, responding to some of the news stories about this, and we'll finish this item from Tim Keller, because, folks, this is most important. For those of you who name the name of Christ, this is most important, because he's talking about what's necessary for real revival, and I don't hesitate to say this to me. Revival is not about a bunch of church services and events and public meetings. They can play a role. They can be a part. But that's kind of a preview of what I will talk about. The real test is not what happens in the service. It's what happens once everybody leaves. That's the key thing. And we're going to talk more about this during tomorrow's broadcast, Lord Willing and Transformation Tuesday. Very, very important. All right, are you ready for your head head to explode? I've got another crazy story for you. And folks, this is just crazy. This stuff never ends, does it? New Hampshire students protest urinal ban in gender debate. It's like, oh boy, what have they done now? Well, dozens of students walked out of their New Hampshire school after the district banned urinals in a compromise to a proposal that would have blocked children from using facilities based on their gender identity. The school board decided a few days before the Friday walkout to prohibit students at Milford Middle School and Milford High School from using urinals or shared spaces in locker rooms. 
This is a town of about 15,000 people. About 35 miles from Concord, New Hampshire. The culmination of a long debate about district rules about bathroom use and gender identity. District procedures say students can access the bathroom that corresponds to their gender identity consistently asserted at school. That procedure still applies, but a proposal that came before the school board called for no longer allowing students to use school bathrooms and locker rooms based on their gender identity. Board member, one board member said he proposed new restrictions on bathroom use as part of a compromise. I want to be clear, it's a compromise to both sides. It was out into effect last week under the new policy. The maximum occupancy for each bathroom and locker room will be kept at the number of stalls it contains. It prevents students from using shared changing areas. The students demonstrated for about 45 minutes after the walkout. Some held signs, at least one of which said, we want urinals. While New Hampshire bans discrimination based on gender identity in housing, employment, and public accommodations, state lawmakers are considering legislation that says public entities are capable of differentiating between the male and female sexes in athletic competitions, criminal incarceration, or places of intimate privacy. Discrimination is a good thing sometimes, isn't it? Distinctions very important. The crazy thing is that we even have to have a conversation about this, folks. But this is the new woke America. Won't have time to go into a lot of this, but can we have fun with this? I just think this is cool, and it's, it's probably never going to happen. But I wanted to share this story with you because I suspect more of these things are going to happen. We talked about this in California some months ago, remember? UK Daily Mail did a great job covering the Greater Idaho Movement. You familiar with this? Leaders of East Oregon trying to secede and join Idaho. This is a movement they hope goes nationwide. More rural counties want to dump urban Democrat leaders and woke havens like Portland, who impose taxes on them and shun traditional values. So they stepped up a plan to break away from liberal state leaders. What they're trying to do is to recreate the map. To become part of the rural red America to flee the dominance of blue cities. They want to leave Portland behind, liberal Portland, and join conservative Idaho. One particular lobbyist has $70,000 to work on to try to get this done. There's legislation in Oregon introduced last month. A bill ready to go in Idaho that would accelerate discussions for 15 counties to jump the border. Wouldn't this be cool if this happened? If it works, he says, other red counties will have a model for how to dump their urban Democratic rulers. Mike McCarter saying, I think people within the United States are watching Oregon's movement, hoping it will establish a pathway for them in the future. The leader of the Greater Idaho Movement runs a campaign from a cramped office in a cabin outside of Lapine. Its walls decorated with the head of a musk deer and muzzle-loading rifles. <laughs> you can tell these folks are not in step with the blue cities. They want to redraw state lines so that 15 conservative counties in the east would join Idaho. Some 11 counties have already voted in favor of pushing ahead with talks. By the way, <laughs> could not be further from the image of Oregon as a haven for work politics, where a majority voted to decriminalize hard drugs in 2020, where coastal valleys provide the perfect climate for the liberal lifestyle. 
sent up in the TV comedy Portlandia. That's Portland. With its homeless encampments outside artisan donut stores. By contrast, central and eastern Oregon, a land of hardy ranchers, loggers, sawmill workers, where daytime temperatures drop below zero the weekend after a snowstorm. Whoa. And they're saying they've got more in common with next door Idaho than they do with Portland and the people with their $6 cafe lattes. I say more power to them. Don't you think this is cool? I really do hope they succeed. It's a long shot. But it's cool to watch the effort. (laughs) Stay with us. And we are back on the Vince Coakley Radio Program. What are your thoughts on what we put out to you before the break? The idea of basically a redrawing of maps that could potentially happen all across the country. You know, some would make the argument this is the best way to have healthy relationships to have healthy states communities and have the best form of representation and as you know in these situations the challenge is going to be the state approval there's probably not much of a chance of these liberal bastions letting go of these rural areas. That is my suspicion anyway. What are your thoughts? Over on the text line, Vince, there's another state out there with counties trying to secede. Illinois has had more than 20 counties want to leave for neighboring states. As a native Illinoisan myself, I don't blame them. I hope it is successful. And I don't say that with glee in my heart. Plus, it gives the Democrats fewer electoral votes, as from Jeff. On the subject of drugs, Vince, decriminalizing hard drugs, why not? Just like the military-style weapons that are used to kill people in the country every day, drugs don't kill anybody. It's the people using them. Pure, unadulterated hypocrisy. (laughs) So they want to ban urinals. I design buildings and schools for a living. And drop the blueprints. Urinals take up less space and use much less water and take less chemicals to clean. Urinals are also more sanitary. These radical left-wing woke people are damaging the environment with their proposals. (laughs) Not surprising. Yeah, it's just absolutely insane, isn't it? You ever watch the Book of Eli with Denzel Washington? Seems the goal of this Democrat DOJ is the result like the movie. These Democrats want the Constitution and all religion removed to control everyone and replace themselves as God. That is the woke objective. Yes, it is. It's not about helping you. Not about helping blacks, women, gays, lesbians, transgender, you know, They are simply a means to an end. You know how this works. You absolutely know how this works. Oh, my goodness. There's a person I want you to know about. When we talk about some of the crazy things going on with our culture. There's a website called the Free Press. Really good item here. I encourage you to check out. I thought I was saving trans kids. Now I'm blowing the whistle. There are more than 100 pediatric gender clinics across the U.S. I worked at one. What's happening to children is morally and medically appalling. 
give low to this. And this is a woman who takes all of the air out of the typical arguments you're going to hear. The woman who wrote this, the story is about a woman who is 42 years old, a St. Louis native, a queer woman. Politically to the left of Bernie Sanders, my worldview has deeply shaped my career. Spent my professional life providing counseling to vulnerable populations, children in foster cares, sexual minorities, the poor. For almost four years, I worked at the Washington University School of Medicine Division of Infectious Diseases with teens and young adults who are HIV positive, many of them trans or otherwise gender non-conforming, and I could relate. Through childhood and adolescence, I did a lot of gender questioning myself. I'm now married to a trans man, and together we're raising my two biological children from a previous marriage and three foster children we hope to adopt. All that led me to a job in 2018 as a case manager at the Washington University Transgender Center at St. Louis Children's Hospital, which had been established a year earlier. The center's working assumption was the earlier you treat kids with gender dysphoria, the more anguish you can the more anguish you can prevent later on. This premise shared by the center's doctors and therapists. Given their expertise, I assume that abundant evidence backed this consensus. During the four years I worked at the clinic as a case manager, I was responsible for patient intake and oversight. Around a thousand distressed young people came through our doors. The majority of them received hormone prescriptions that can have life-altering consequences, including sterility. I left that clinic in November of last year because I could no longer participate in what was happening there. By the time I left, I was certain the way the American medical system is treating these patients is the opposite of the promise we make to do no harm. Instead, we're permanently harming the vulnerable patients in our care. Today, I'm speaking out, doing so knowing how toxic the public conversation is around this highly contentious issue and the ways that my testimony might be misused. I'm doing so knowing I'm putting myself at serious personal and professional risk. Almost everyone in my life advised me to keep my head down but I cannot in good conscience do so because what is happening to scores of children is far more important than my comfort. What is happening to them is morally and medically appalling. Soon after my arrival at the Transgender Center, I was struck by the lack of formal protocols for treatment. The center's physician co-directors were essentially the sole authority. In other words, this is all up to their discretion. They're the experts. They have all the answers. At first, the patient population was tipped toward what used to be the traditional instance of a child with gender dysphoria, a boy, quite often young, who wanted to present as who wanted to be a girl. Until 2015 or so, a very small number of these boys comprised the population of pediatric gender dysphoria cases. Then, across the Western world, there began to be a dramatic increase in new population teenage girls many with no previous history this is key folks no previous history of gender distress suddenly declared they were transgender and demanded immediate treatment with testosterone I saw this at the center one of my jobs was to do intake for new patients and their families when I started there were 10 such calls a month when I left there were 50 and about 70% of the new patients girls Sometimes clusters of girls arrive from the same high school. Do you see what's happening here, folks? This is peer pressure. This is influence of social media. Comorbidities, depression, anxiety, ADHD, eating disorders, obesity, autism. One report on a British pediatric transgender center found about a third of the patients referred there were on the autism spectrum. Folks, these have these kids have other problems going on. And this is a one-size-fits-all solution. So glad this woman is speaking out. Stay with us. On the Vince Coakley radio program, a developing story out of New York City. 
this is bizarre. A U-Haul has struck an officer and pedestrians in New York City. Not sure of the extent of the injuries here, looking at video now. But it's a very weird story. Who knows what has happened in this particular story, but I'm sure you will hear more on this throughout the day. The story I shared about the woman who is, I think I communicated correctly, a woman who identifies herself as a queer woman, worked in a pediatric gender clinic, and is now disgusted by this particular clinic and is basically sounding the alarm. Because of the importance of this story, I have shared this on the Facebook pages of 106.3 WRD and News Talk 1110 WBT. So you were able to check it out and share it. People need information on this. This is not about inclusion and all the other garbage that you're going to hear from the media and other people who are so profoundly ignorant about these subjects. They have no idea what they're talking about, most of them. And that needs to be understood. So to the extent we can help to push back the frontiers of ignorance, let's do it. Be gracious about it, but let's do it. Over on the text line, Vince, my husband subscribes to The Atlantic. We read the article. Thanks for focusing on this important issue. Another texter in the upstate. Where is the article? You now know. Facebook page for 106.3 WORD for you. So I hope you enjoy it. My question is, who's paying for this treatment and who is approving this? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Take a deep dive into this stuff. Because this is no question. This is largely driven by money. Vince, people moving out of liberal cities and states into more Republican. Good thing. It doesn't make these areas more conservatives. It actually makes them more liberal. Georgia, North Carolina, Virginia being concentrated in a few areas is not good. Spread the liberalism around. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, first off, the LGBTQ movement is controlled by non-elected bureaucrats, controlled by Democrats. Most children, especially males, identify with their mother if their father is absent and can tend to be more feminine. Or if they have sisters, they're not transgender. They're normal children being indoctrinated and groomed for the needs of others. This text, there's more truth in this than a lot of people realize. It's about influence. Then you throw in something like molestation, and you really have a mess. People hating their own gender. This is what happens. So, let's um, help to educate people out there. Something that is desperately needed. Time for us to take a look at the day in history. Boy, we got to zip through this. Time flies. How are you today, Chris? I'm doing well, Vince. Thank you. All right. 1822, Jeremiah Bailey is his name. I have a friend with that name. You have a friend named Jeremiah Bailey? Yeah, I asked him if he's a vampire, if he was alive in 1822, from Chester County, Pennsylvania. He got a patent for this. It's something you're going to have to bring out here in a few weeks if you want uh, to make sure that your, um, your yard looks decent. Is it something vampires use? No, no, no. The vampire thing is about the name, silly. But what did he got to get a patent for? Something that uh, lawnmower. You know, unless you pay some, but it's a lawnmower, absolutely. When's the last time you 18... mowed your own grass? So great weather we're having out there, isn't it? Yeah, I'm serious. It's been years, and it's it's mainly a time thing for me, Chris. Yeah. Oh, I understand. I'm just curious. Yeah, it's it's a fair question. Nothing I haven't mowed mine in 30 years. Well, good for you. That's, that's what man, I say. Yeah. I, I'm going after your record, Chris. <laughs> I'm on the way. My wife likes 19... the lawn to look nice. Okay. So uh, see, that's, my thought is somebody's going to do it better than me. That's it. That's the way I look at it. You're doing good. Uh, 
1936, the first Social Security checks mailed out. 1970, GM rumored to be building engines to run on unleaded fuel. That was a thing in 1970, a big deal. 71 was the year the Osmonds hit number one with One Bad Apple. I don't remember that song at all. Probably no great loss. You have to know this one, Chris. The last original comic strip featuring Charlie Brown was published. What's it called? Oh, uh, Peanuts. <laughs> Peanuts! 2000. Can you believe that was 23 years ago? We said goodbye. People ask me my favorite strip. author. Charles Schultz is my favorite author. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, who doesn't love Charles Schultz, the work that he's done He addressed over the years. kids like they were adults, kind of like Mr. Rogers. He respected exactly. kids' intelligence. Exactly. That's, that's the magic sauce. That's why it works so well. That's all the time we have, folks. Man, it really went fast. Have yourselves a great day, and God bless you. Adios. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program.